Man, I'm a little torn. I'm a little torn. Don't know how to feel. Feel kind of good. Feel kind of bad. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm fresh off vacation. The batteries are recharged. Um, everything about the trip was really good. Um, watched the game, which was good. Yeah, I saw you, yeah, yeah, right, dude. I saw you taking romantic pictures on the beach. Don't act like you watched football or did anything cool, dude. I saw you lifting I, your fiance up in the air with no shoes on. I saw that shit, dude. Yeah, I did. I did take some uh, some some engagement photos. I got dragged into very that. nice, um, adorable. By the way, Cassie thought they were really cute too. <laughs> my only uh, trade off, I got to go to the Golf Hall of Fame the next day. So um, that's cool. You know. I didn't know that. Ex- is that in Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. The that's World cool. Golf I didn't. Even, I didn't even think about that. I mean, it makes sense. They have one of those. I just never thought about it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I don't know. It was somewhat underwhelming, but somewhat cool too. Some of the features. Oh, that's pretty badass. Nice. Got to hit a shot on the famous island green. So yeah, it was it was a fair trade. Oh, um, nice. Uh, they have a mock patient there because um, TPC Sawgrass, which was actually very close. It's in Jacksonville as well, or Pontre. Pontevedra, anyway, right next door. Cool. So anyway, it was a good trip, goat. But to to get to the the whole point, to bring this to a conclusion, um, the Cowboys did lose, and it did hurt uh, my Thursday. Even though we both on here projected them to lose by much worse than they actually did. I had it as a three point loss, and ended up being a two point loss, which <sighs> is even more heartbreaking. Uh, by the way, this is Andy Gatelli. This is Benjamin Walker. This is Boys Will Be Boys. Yeah, man. So I had two of our our compatriots. I had Grant Grant Waring and Ryan McCoy over to the the humble abode to watch the game. Got permission from the misses. Had the boys over uh, to watch this game. And you know, I felt like I was going into it with such a healthy mindset. You know what I mean? I was like, I expect to lose. All I want is for it to look – for us to, like, stay with them, make this respectable. If we cover the spread, I'll be happy. You know, I started feeling a little bit better when every single person in the pregame picked us to lose and the line jumped to nine and a half or something fucking bonkers. I was like, man, like, say what you will about Dallas. We often get way too overrated by Vegas, by fans. People love betting on Dallas. I love betting on the Yankees. You know, it's it's kind of – proven but man everyone was so down on us that when we are that big of a dog we almost always look better yeah and man i it it was a heartbreaking fashion in which to lose and obviously we'll go through the whole game but it's one thing to like not even be in the game i mean some of the games last year frankly weren't even that upsetting to me because we were just never even in it and it was just like okay you know what I mean? I wasn't like screaming year? at my TV when Andy Dalton was in there fucking last, getting murked by someone. Last year feels so purged my memory. It's like it was like 2015 when Romo and Dez were hurt that year where you just Yeah, definitely doesn't count. Definitely so doesn't count. You just sort of shrug it off. Um, um but this year, you know, we get to see Dak Prescott. Um I think me and you, especially me, had voiced concern about how he's gonna look week one. Of course, Zach Martin's gonna be out. Uh, we have no idea what to expect from Tyron and Lael. And man, 
if there's two big positives, and we'll go through all the positives and stuff, Dak looked fucking awesome, and the O-line, for the most part, looked pretty damn good. I Dude, I can't say enough good things about the O-line, to be honest with you. Um, outside of Connor Williams, who is just a fucking insult to me, my family, the Dallas Cowboys organization, the state of Texas, the position – the concept of football, the United States, democracy, Western civilization, the human species, carbon-based life forms, all those things. Uh, but outside of that, man, like, first of all, let me just say right off the top, dude, big props to Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern oh, came boy. into this game. This dude has effectively like a week to get ready to play against the Patriots, Vita Vea. Indomitian Sue, JPP, Jason Pierre Paul. I mean, this is a good fucking team. They have the best D line statistically in the NFL last season. They are the best rush defense in the NFL. They're one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. They're going to come in and with no Zach Martin, they're going to, a lot of their pass rush and just general attention is going to fall in the center of that line where they think they can squish. Biotish, Williams, and McGovern. And to his credit, dude, I thought McGovern just did an incredible job. I thought that he stood up to Vita Vea as well as you could possibly expect someone in that position to. Um, they gave up, I think, one sack all night. And frankly, uh, that shouldn't have been a sack. Dak should have thrown that shit away. That was on Dak. That, that absolutely has to be tossed. Like, you cannot just, like, run around back there until you get taken down, like, eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's just not a good good play. Um, they did an incredible job of protection. And shout-out to Zeke with that as well. I know Zeke took a ton of flack because he didn't – you know, he, he was not a big part of the offensive scheme as far as production of, of yardage. Um, but Zeke played a huge role in keeping Dak clean, and he did a great job as well. It was so predictable – that Zeke was going to have a poor game just because of how good that defensive front is and how much people were going to freak out given his bad season last year. And I've already heard rumblings of it, but I I do want to focus more on McCarthy and Kellen instead of doing what Jason Garrett would have done and run Zeke 22 times right up the fucking gut for 45 yards or 50 yards, whatever he would have banged. They did not run the ball barely at all. We were the past team of all week one um well some of that, i'll say this. Some of that had to kellen do with Dak did, too Dak, yeah Dak kellen, checked kellen out of did a lot call of, 28 runs and Dak checked out of 12 of those so deep we only ended up with 16 running plays 10 to zeke 6-2 um tony pollard um so he would have had a little more uh, a little more of the but obviously throwing 50 something times like clearly that was the scheme yeah, yeah that's what i mean clearly the plan not to focus on on Zeke was definitely to say, hey, our bets and you know, pointed this out on the broadcast. You know, he's like, man, if they're one on one out there, Dak's gonna find who's in one on one, whether it's Gallup, CD, Amari, whatever corner you want to man up on them, and he's gonna he's gonna target the one on one. And for the most, it was hugely successful. Um, and and I just think that's props to Kellen, who I've certainly been critical of um because in the past like i said the jason garrett and uh, giants fans are already complaining about his archaic play calling in new york uh yeah we definitely would not have schemed that we definitely would have 
ran the ball Dude, until we lost. Here's all you need to know about Kellen's game plan versus Jason Garrett's. Every game you ever saw Jason Garrett be in charge of the first play was to run Zeke right up the gut into the teeth of the defense. Or that naked Every single time. Yeah, absolutely. On, on Thursday night, we get the ball to start the game at like the one-yard line. And first play of the game is a no-naked five-wide set with a smash fade concept on the left side with Amari and CD that leaves Amari open for a beautiful pass from, from Dak. From our Dak own two-yard line. Our yeah, own two-yard line. And Dak drops a dime, which this, and this would become a theme all night. The reason Amari was open there was because they were showing cover three. They have three deep defenders and four linebackers. And one of those linebackers um, came on, free on a blitz, and Dak just stood there, did not flinch. Because that guy came free, Amari was wide open in that kind of under mid-range bubble zone, and Dak just dropped a dime to him. Dak took some hits on, during that game, man. He And they were not bad hits as far as, like, taking sacks or, like, running the ball. These were just standing in the pocket and getting blasted because you need that extra half a second to deliver the ball where it needs to go. And I was incredibly impressed because there was a lot of talk of, like, Okay, he hasn't gotten these offseason reps. Is he going to be hesitant? Will he have to shake the rust off? There were a couple throws that I thought were exactly where they should have been, but for the most part, he seemed it it it, it blew my wildest expectations out of the water as far as where he was going to be. Yeah, it's forty-two of fifty-eight for people who didn't see the numbers, which is I think career high fifty-eight passes, four hundred yards, three TDs, one pick. Um, He's the third leading passer in the NFL right now. Yeah. That one pick, we'll get into that one pick, but probably shouldn't happen. Um I I'll I'll How do you want to do this? You want to go through the game or do you want to go like goods and bads? What's your what's your thoughts? Let's do let's do kind of like a quarter. You know, I don't think we need to go highlight every kind of what you remember of, you know, the drive, if it was important or not, what I remember. Um you know, and then if we just kind of bounce around, you know, and if something pops in, you know, we'll just we'll just free ball it. You sure. Know? Cool. All right. So, I mean, I, I think the first drive was important. The Bucks got the three ball first. You're it is a three and out. And uh, some things I loved about seeing on this drive were that one. Well, maybe not. I loved, but that were important to how this game played out. You already saw Dallas one able to cover rushers at such a more competent level than they did last year. So Fournette gets two carries for eight yards, a five-yard carry, a three-yard carry. You just didn't see that panic where guys, they were getting to like deep into the second level like you'd see all the time last year. Also, you notice that Dallas was doing this kind of rotation at linebacker. So Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch would be out there for not even a series, for like a snap. And then right out Neil of the game. And in, Parsons. Yeah, Parsons and Neil. So, How'd you like Parsons' um, Parsons, first game? Um, I thought he did really well. Um, no, no big like highlight moment where you're just like, oh, this right. guy's a beast. There was a couple welcome to the NFL type moments for him, I think. Nothing like embarrassing or anything like that. 
I thought we saw moments. I there were moments where I'm, I said to myself, like in in a month, he's going to make a really spectacular play there. He just has to get used to the speed of the game. He's about a microsecond slow on you know jumping into a pass lane, things like that. Uh, but I know from his freakish athleticism, he's going to be able to do those things. It so I thought it was a good game. Feels, it already feels like in a crowded linebacker room, he's already the best one. You agree. Know? Totally agree. Yeah. Not and even I think, close. And I think that's what I what I love to see from him. Um, I mean, their running game didn't do anything. You know, that was one thing I think me and you were both confident on. I mean, they had 14 carries for 52 yards, so they pretty much just aired it out all game as well. Um, you know, some good and bad. And like I said, you can keep going through series. Um, I, I love what Parsons did. Tank was, to me, the player on the defense all night, especially in run support. Tank was – he was another big question mark. He didn't play all all preseason. He had off-season surgery, pretty much sat out most of training camp, you know, was a big question mark. And, dude, he he bullied Tristan Wirfs a couple times. And that's a good right tackle right there. Tank Lawrence – uh was the eighth highest ranked player in the league this week on offense See, or defense doesn't shock me he he killed it he got six pressures i mean force he didn't get all of him for a sack force fumble was a perfect force fumble by the way mm -hmm. um very heads up play by my boy randy gregory to grab that ball by the way love that randy love that get well <laughs> soon um but no, Tank was an absolute animal. I would say the highlights of your defense are definitely Randy Gregory and Trayvon Diggs. Um, the Cowboys made like a pretty big – a decision that I don't think they would have made in the last 10 years, which is to have one cornerback on this team travel with the elite receiver on the other team. We have not had a guy that can do that in a decade. And they made the decision uh, – that Trayvon Diggs was going to travel with Mike Evans this whole game. Mike Evans is coming off, I think, like seven or eight 1,000-yard seasons. Like Mike Evans is the, the model of consistency. The, yeah, the picture of consistency. He's – I almost think he's like Amari, where if you look at their numbers at the end of the year, like they never get talked about as like one of the five best guys, but every single year they're very, very good. Like every single yeah, year. absolutely. When it's all said and done – all the snaps are played. Oh, wow. Mike Evans had another thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, of course. Yep. And Mike Evans is so good. He gave Johnny Manziel an NFL career. So, you know, he must be pretty talented. So, but uh, Trayvon Diggs played 79% of his covered snaps against Mike Evans. He gave up two receptions for 15 yards. So all underneath stuff. Didn't let Mike Evans get out over the top. I mean, you can't ask for more than that with a guy like Brady. Um, now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Anthony Brown, who we will get to more in, in future drives here. But, yeah, I just wanted to preview that. So that's the first drive. It's, it's a three and out. Cowboys offense comes out. Uh, Bucks punter was a beast, dude. I'll give them credit on that. Amazing punting ability. Not only range, but accuracy. This dude was, like, coffin cornering it, like, all night. So it goes out of the two-yard two line. And like we, we noted at the beginning of the podcast, first play from scrimmage is this – five wide shotgun set with Dak throwing it to Cooper for 28 yards, which was awesome. Um, and then they just kind of go to work. Uh, you get Zeke doing a couple four yard runs. You got Dak throwing some tight end stuff. Uh, unfortunately they get to like the Tampa like 40 
and this is where the trouble starts. So it's 10 minutes in the first quarter. Uh, it's first and 10 at the 40, and Dak has probably like a 15, 20-yard pass to CD that he's a little bit behind on. It's it's catchable, but it's a little bit behind Lamb. Lamb falls down like trying to catch the ball, and he doesn't get yeah, it. Yeah, that's the one people looked at like, ooh, is he not planning on that foot? And look, you throw 58 times, you're going to short arm one or two or overthrow. I don't. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. Uh, the next play was the bad – uh, the first bad drop by CD. Um, this hit him directly in both hands, and he just could not gather it to himself. Um, and that uh, kind of stalled the drive because then on third and ten they get a false start, so they're third and fifteen. Um, they get and another incompletion. Yeah. yeah. So then they have to put. But I was immediately like, okay, dude, they moved the ball. Like fifty-four yard drive. They moved the ball. Most drives, like if you it. move the ball 54 yards, you're coming away with points. So, Absolutely. So, Well, maybe Meg uh, is your kicker, but you're coming away with an opportunity at points. So, Absolutely. So the, the Bucks get the ball back uh, on their six, and uh, this Mass- was uh, – They didn't even face a third down on this drive. This was like a lot – this was kind of like the only time that uh, – I mean, you see second play from scrimmage here is – uh, the only time Mike Evans gets anything longer than five yards on Trayvon Diggs, he gets a 10-yard catch. That's as long as the night against Diggs. Um, this is when we realized that Antonio Brown might be uh, a little more than uh, an also-ran in this because he's, he's covered by Anthony Brown. Um, and Brady drops like down a, a chimney, like the most vertical pass I've ever seen, right into Antonio Brown's arms for 30 yards. They're on our 30. He throws it again to Antonio Brown, gets another 16 yards. Uh, and then in the end, it's a real easy five-yard – our first and goal at our five. Brady's going to score from there. Uh, I saw a replay of that. saw a replay of that throw to Godwin for TD, and dude, Parsons is so close to that ball. Like that's That's so Brady being Brady and just knowing exactly oh, yeah. how much room he needs to fit a ball in. Um, oh yeah, this is a nice throw. Yeah, they go up seven nothing. This is where I was kind of like, oh, that's the defense we expect. But Dallas rebounded goat, and uh, we get a touchdown right after. And so we do. And this on. was where we went into this this motion where I don't know if this was more of Dak checking out of runs or just we decided this is how we're going to do it. But there are no rushing attempts on this. Wait, wait, I was going to say went pass, 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 pass. Yeah, we we started using a lot of like screens little bubble screens, things like that, even just wide receiver screens to move, take like small chunks of yards. Um, And Dak and Gallup uh, and Pollard pretty much just dink and dunk their way all the way down the field. Before you know it, we're on the Tampa Bay 29. Um, They hit Blake Jarwin for seven yards. And then making up for his previous drop, uh, Dak finds CeeDee Lamb who catches it and – Gets a nice little run after catch for a 22-yard touchdown. Um, and so it's 7-7 as the first quarter comes to an end. Yeah, uh, this is where, you know, like you said, Dak looked really, really good. At this point, you could tell what the game plan was going to be. Um, you know, I heard some interesting Kellen said because they're asking him about being so pass-happy, you know, after the game. And he goes, look, he's like, you know uh, – He's like, you know, some people, he goes, we ran a couple plays, like quick throws to, 
you know, a quick screen or a quick throw to Pollard on the right side and let him go get five, six yards. He's like people, you know, that shows up as a pass in the playbook. But to me, you know, it, it's still about attacking balanced. And he's like, that's pretty much what we're all about is finding ways to be balanced. And whether it's a run or a pass, I really don't care what the numbers look like in the end, as long as we're, you know, keeping defenses honest and attacking from, you know, horizontally, vertically and, and, they never really know what's coming. And I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Basically him saying, yeah, we didn't run a lot, but we did do a lot of little kind of quick throws and get some guys in space. And Dallas has a shit ton of guys who can make people miss in the open field. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's, that tied the game up. Um, the next Dallas possession was so strange. This was the one where we got the uh, delay of game penalty during the punt formation where they weren't even close to snapping the ball. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was so odd. Yeah. It didn't even seem like they knew what the clock was. Like they weren't even like they were not down and set when the penalty That was really went. bad. That was the only really, really poor like coaching moment I felt. Yeah. So we ended up punting from like in our own end zone, which gave Tampa Bay the ball on the 50. They really easily marched down the field and Gronkowski scored. Um, so it's 14-7. Fucking problem, and that makes me wonder how much tight ends are going to be a problem for us. I, I yeah, really it's hard to know. I mean, obviously um, Gronk and Brady have like a special connection. They are really good together, and some of Gronk's catches were like threading needles and things like that. But it could be an issue. Sure, it's just I don't feel like we really have the matchup guy there. Like I would assume Neil is probably our best bet. They had Casey mm-hmm. on him a few times. And then one of them, you know, was just a – I think they pointed it out. It was just a bad play where they had to have Tank on him. We did – and I was like, ah, it's never going to work out. Yeah, But it's not a in good... general, I don't know. It, it's just something I want to monitor when Herbert and Jared Cook play next week because they're not nearly as devastating as those two. And if they have a good game, then eh, just something to think about. Yeah, very true. So the Cowboys do get the ball back. They march down the field. They get to the Tampa Bay 13 and stall out. This was maddening. Yeah. Um, this was another one where on third and three of the Tampa Bay 13, uh, and, you know, we'll never know, but either Dak threw the wrong route or CD ran the wrong route. And this happened a couple times. And my money, frankly, knowing Dak, is that Dak did not throw the incorrect pattern. I think – CD, either there's a miscommunication or CD ran the wrong route or gave up on the route. Um, and that happened a couple times, and it was very distressing because at one point Dak was 15 of 15 to, like, every receiver except CD and, like, two of seven to CD between drops mm-hmm. and miscues. So that was strange. We got to the 13. We lined for a 31-yard field goal, and Greg Zerline shanks this thing. Doesn't even come um, close, dog. I know Greg Zerline had like offseason back surgery and he took like no game kicks during the offseason. Man, would this ever come back to bite us in the ass? This was, you just knew it. The second well, it happened, you're like, that's going to be something we pay for later. You know, I texted you this. Tampa had four turnovers, which the good for the Cowboys defense, we have ways. That's great. Most people would say that was a lot of mistakes from the champs. And, you know, and if you only we only had one ourselves, if you win the turnover battle by three, I feel like in the end, even against a team like that, 
that's when you well, got to come it's away. It's legitimately with. never and, happened. It's the first time in history of the NFL that a team that's minus three in turnover differential and has a hundred yards of penalties has lost a game. Yeah, or won a game. Hard. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know, and and that's my point. Is I feel like all that said, Tampa had these more turnovers, and I still feel like Dallas had more mistakes or miscues because of shit like this. Because CD not paying attention, because Greg the leg had a quarter where he couldn't find the goalposts you know it just felt yep. like all game felt like there's just little moments where i'm like that's the shit we have to clean up that's the shit you don't see yep. tampa doing even though it's like i said even though from a lot of perspectives you could say well they had a lot of penalties and a lot of sloppy turnovers but i still just feel like dallas was the more miscued team yeah i i would have to agree i would have to agree we lucked out however that uh when tampa got the ball First play from scrimmage, they run to Ronald Jones, and Tank just perfectly punches this ball out, which is recovered by Randy Gregory. So Dallas gets another shot uh, from the the Tampa 27, um, this, this and Dak just goes to work. Dak. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, this was the one where uh, the scoring play was a low snap by Biotish. It It's a low snap. It ends up on the ground. Dak just picks it up, scrambles a little bit, finds Amari in the corner. Very Romo. I mean, he was, yeah, I was going to say that was the Romo. That's the one that that's kind of getting replayed by everyone too. That's the, uh, cause he's getting blitz too. It's not like it's a four. They came after Dak. They try to get people in his face all game. Um, and he just picked up and gunned it. Amari technician, maybe the best route runner in, in football, at least, short list and uh it was beautiful man so once again we missed the extra point so now we're somehow yeah. losing this game despite feeling like we're outplaying them and that's it's, like i said it should be just, 17 it, should be 17 14 at this point um so the bucks come out they start from around 20 again the first place a little screen pass to fournette he fingertips it falls right into trayvon Diggs's uh hands cowboys get the ball um Again, on third and six from the Tampa Bay 17 here, Dak tries to throw to CD, and we have a little miscom on the route run here where CD does not come up with this catch, uh, which leads to us having this to kick a field goal now. Uh, yes, this was almost picked. Yeah. So this um, is – now we're up 16-14, but this is once again – and I give Kellen a lot of props. I almost – at one point, I even tweeted out from the account that Kellen was MVP. I love the game he was calling. I love how he was taking what was there, going past happy. But damn, man, if there's something about this team in the red zone, there's something about them that they just for four. don't execute. They just don't – they don't come away with enough points in the red zone. And it's been a problem for at probably the whole Dak era outside of maybe 2016 – where, you know, that read option just seemed to work wonders and you had the best O-line of his career and peak Zeke, yeah. you know. But, yeah, again, I mean, you had three drives where you get inside the red zone and you come away with one field goal and, you know, come away with nine points, which is yeah. rough. Yeah, super unfortunate. So we are up at this point, 16-14. However, it would go away quickly because Tampa Bay scores in 38 seconds. Um yeah. Anthony Brown just gets absolutely murdered by Antonio Brown, who takes it 47 yards to the house after one other play. 
Um, and so just like that, the Cowboys are only up for like a minute before it's 21-16. The Cowboys get the ball back. This was another puzzling decision. Um, so they move the ball a little bit. Dak takes his only sack of the game uh, on this on this drive. Uh, he gets a 12-yard loss uh, on the Tampa Bay 33. Um, so it's third and 22. And we get a penalty on Connor Williams for offensive holding on this play. See, this is so anecdotal evidence, but is there, there's something so maddening about Connor Williams where I swear every penalty he gets is in, it's always like a third down or. Oh, the only other one he has. He only has two this game. He only has two this game. One is this, which is an absolute drive killer at a crucial point, blah, blah, blah. The other one maybe loses you the game. The other one maybe loses you the game. Well, because you're lo- it's the game winning yeah, drive. You're one, moving the ball. Well, this one, yeah. Well, this one costs you points because now you you. Which actually, I talked about puzzling decisions earlier. This one by McCarthy. Oh yeah, the sixty yard field goal. I have no idea what that is. With twenty seconds left, I was like, dude, do not give Brady the ball at midfield with a chance to get in field goal range. But didn't bite us in the ass. Still weird. I mean, instead of getting a fifty yard field goal. Well, really, because Dak scrambled for four yards, I guess it would have been a 46-yard field goal. to and Luckily, points, but... Dude, it was, it was insane. And the 60-yard field goal is nuts. Um, we did luck out in that when Brady got the ball back, they just ended up throwing a... Hail Mary that Jordan Lewis picked off in the end zone. Um, he returned it 66 yards. So, I mean, I was almost like, is he going to run this back, dude? That'd be so incredible. So, we go into halftime down five. Dude, for a second. For a second. Yeah. For a second, he looked like he was. So, we should have, we should have honestly been at minimum, you should be, it should be 20 to 21 because you, the missed field goal and the missed extra point. If Connor Williams doesn't exist, you're looking, more like 23-21 at this point, but I won't even go that far. So the Cowboys come out for the second half, and they get the ball. Um, and Dak just leads them on another long drive. Six-minute drive for 72 yards. But this, again, stalls in the red zone. Um, so they get the ball to the Tampa Bay 8. Dak runs for three. They This one, okay, so second and goal from the Tampa Bay 5. Um, this is the play where Dak rolls out and throws a little pass to Zeke and Zeke goes out of bounds. Dak needs to throw this ball earlier. If he throws this ball earlier, I think Zeke can score this touchdown. Um, Dak waited, waited on this. And by the time he threw Zeke, the ball Zeke was pretty much out of bounds already. And so all Zeke could really do was like toe tap, but Zeke was open as soon as Dak made the roll and Dak kind of like checked for other receivers first, he needs to just throw that ball immediately and Zeke walks in, which is unfortunate. This happened to Zeke again on an, uh, okay. This the is next the, I was thinking of the Darwin play. Yeah. So I was thinking of, I do agree with you about that. I kind of forgot about that one. The next one, and this has kind of been the, the debate of people. Um, and even me, the only criticism I would have a Zeke and it's not huge. What one, Blake Jarwin fucks up the block on this play, which ruins it. If Blake Jarwin makes that block, Zeke scores easily. So Jarwin whiffs on a block. Dak pitches it out to Zeke, and it's basically one-on-one. And uh, 
It is what it is. I, Guy made a tackle. Zeke, it just, yeah, it would have been nice to see. That's all I'm saying. I can't, nice I can't give – it'd be one thing if Zeke was already going north to south and he gets tackled. He he's really gets – he's almost – he's, he's going sideline to sideline, and he's effectively wrapped the second he has the ball. He, get, all he, he tries to make a spin move. I mean, there's not much you can do. Like, I don't know if even prime Zeke makes that – in that exact situation. Um, if the pitch is done like a second earlier and Zeke has, you know, three extra feet to work with, then I'm more open to that. But Blake's got to make that block. He's got to yeah. make that block. Blake's the one I who mean, definitely messed that play up for sure. And, and we're so, big star when fanboys. I'm just saying, yeah, it sucked. And it was just one of those, again, settling for a field goal in the fucking red zone. Drives yeah. you nuts. To, to have four, to, have, to, to run three plays inside the eight and not score a touchdown is maddening. So, yeah, so Greg goes out there, kicks a 21-yard field goal, um, and makes it 19-21. to 21. Um, And then the defense goes out and forces a really good three and out, which is great. The Cowboys come out. This play, dude, is infuriating. So I the second it happened, I got a bunch of texts. People were like, oh, Dak's thrown into triple coverage. Like, doesn't matter if it hits C.D. Lamb in the hands. Go back to 2018 Thanksgiving game against Washington. Dak throws this exact pass, same situation, same number of defenders, everything, to Amari Cooper. Amari catches this shit in traffic, jukes one guy, and takes it to the house. Exact same situation, exact same play, exact same defensive setup, very different result because Amari caught the ball. This pass is, is it a high-risk pass? Absolutely. Is it a perfect ball? Yes. Yes, it is. It is an absolutely perfect ball. It is in ex- the only place it can be where it can be safe for CD to catch. And CD alligator arms it. He comes at it sideways instead of with his hands back like that and goes right off both hands and into the arms of the defender and turns into a, you know, they get the ball on the Dallas 25. I mean, it's... It's a nightmare. Only turnover the game, and I just want to say I, I mainly agree with you. I definitely think Sadie needs to catch that. The only thing I'll say is I'll quote Hellman because I saw him tweet this at the time, and Dave Hellman said, all I'll say is that was a very ambitious throw by Dak Prescott. And it was, but it, he put it, to your point, he did put it where he need to. But, yeah, that was that was in the middle of a couple buck defenders. Now, if CeeDee Lamb is first-round pick and you're supposed to be a superstar, that's a catch you want to see him make. Um, that's my only comment. I mean, I would, I would, yeah, I would, I would just argue that, like, in the NFL, they're almost all ambitious throws. <laughs> like, that's what you got to be able to make. I mean, there are – it ain't college where you're going to have right. six-yard windows everywhere. Um, I, I definitely agree it's among the more high-risk passes that you can throw. Um, but, man, hey, CeeDee has to catch that. He has to catch that. There's a there's a former 88 who seemed to thrive on those type of catches. Yeah, and again, Amari, I mean, Amari did this exact pass. I mean, I sent a bunch of people the link. Like, go to the highlights for Thanksgiving 2018 against Washington. Go to minute seven, second 20, so 720 in the video. We're on the three or four-yard line. Dak steps up, throws it. Amari standing in the middle of three defenders, catches it clean and just takes off and the touchdown. CD somehow for having seven a buck 
04 and a TD felt like he had a pretty mediocre game. Like, not a bad game, just... I think it was the... it's uh, Disappointment is always about the gap between expectations and reality, right? If C was a third-round pick and had that game, people would think he was a god. It's that we watched CD dominate all offseason. All we heard coming out of camp is that he was just like Des Bryant level dominating camp. Like just no one could touch him. No one could cover him. All of hard knocks, you just saw him just eating up every defender. And then he comes out there and, you know, has several key drops, drive killing drops. Um, I mean, the first drive, it's pretty much on him that that drive stalled. The, the, the points that, well, I guess no points come off of, no, it, yeah, no points come off of a touchdown comes from this interception. Yeah. That's pretty much on CD lamb. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I know I, I'm not worried about him or anything. I know he'll, he'll clean it up. I I, I have zero. I guess that's the uh, best way to put it. CD lamb. It's more cleaning it up, right? It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you saw the flashes. It's just like, ugh. there's a couple little things there, man, that, you just want him to look a little sharper. And I think he will. I mean, shit, I like I said, he had a hundred yards in the TD and he made a hell of a play in the fourth quarter that looked like it was going to be a game winner. So I can't yep. be too mad at him. Um, but yeah, between that and a couple little plays, uh, he definitely, he definitely is a little criticism. Absolutely. But, you know, it's what it's like to wear the star so, and be number 88, you know, that, that, that is what comes with it. So Tampa Bay does take over on the Dallas 35 and this was the Gronkowski. They end up on at third and six on the Dallas 11. And somehow the uh, defense rotated to where tank Lawrence was trying to cover Rob Gronkowski. It was a super routine, easy pass for Brady. They score it's 28, 19. Um, Dallas gets the ball back. Uh, one play I do want to point out on this drive, Ben, First play from from scrimmage on this drive was uh, Zeke's best run. It was Zeke's best run, and and it was something that you didn't see the rest of the night, mostly because no, you, there was no other situation like this. But they hand the ball off to Zeke, and Zeke bounces this to the outside, takes it outside the defense, is able to get around the corner and take it for thirteen yards before the secondary gets to him. Not something I can recall seeing for at least two years. I I really want to see him against a worse run defense. And I think we get a, to see it this weekend. We'll get to that after this. We get to this game. But I've done a lot of scout say, work on the Chargers. I was going to say a fully healthy O line, but yes, yeah, <laughs> we may not get that all year. With me and you have the shadow of that from the rooftops that this O line is not a beacon of health anymore. Um, True, but yeah, you know, yeah, it was it was a it was a nasty run. This was a good run, but the Cowboys just kind of move it down the field to get to the Tampa Bay 21. This was another amazing Dak play. So this is yet another play where it's a shotgun play with Zeke standing to Dak's left. Zeke steps into the A-gap to take the blitzing linebacker. He does an amazing job on pass blocking here. This is one of Zeke's best plays if you go back and you watch the replay of this exact snap. But there is a blitzer coming from Dak's right side, totally free. And Dak just has to step straight into that blitzer and deliver a perfect out route, like a, a corner out strike to Amari Cooper. He does it with perfection. He gets blasted. I mean, mm -hmm. hit straight in the sternum, taken off his feet, killed, and delivers a perfect ball that only Amari Cooper can catch for a touchdown. It's maybe Dak's 
I won't even say it's Dak's best throw because Dak had too many good throws. The one to CD later in the in the game is incredible. The first play from scrimmage was incredible, but this was an incredible throw. It was in Dak's top five on the evening, and uh, it keeps Dallas in the game. It it makes the makes the game twenty six twenty eight. Which, by the way, Amari Cooper had some interesting comments about how he viewed himself as the best receiver in the league. The only thing he hasn't done is prove it, which is I always find these quotes funny, but just kind of shows you his mindset um on that point 13 for 139 two tds on 16 targets i mean he was <laughs> damn good this game i mean you know for a guy that's really only as good as will fuller he's pretty decent i have to say he is not terrible <laughs> for the record that's not a shot at me that's one of our buddies compared to two of them uh on a per game basis and Andy it's infuriating to me. Right? It's infuriating to me. Amari Cooper is an elite NFL wideout. An elite NFL wideout. Will Fuller is a currently suspended number three receiver who's a one-trick pony. Anyway, Amari Cooper had an incredible game. Super sure-handed, route technician. Did he, he pulled out all his tricks for this game, which I love. You saw all the different ways Amari Cooper makes your team better. Um, and then Dallas defense steps up. Um, Lawrence came out, stuffed Leonard Fournette, which was awesome. Uh, and on fourth and 10 or on third and 10 from the Dallas 47, uh, they do a really great job covering Goodwin and oh, no. Godwin. I think this is the one we got the gift where he Godwin dropped. The, oh, this the is right. This is right. Yeah. This is an he got over the touchdown. top of the defense. Brady puts a perfect ball and Godwin drops a for sure touchdown. That would have been about a 50 yarder or something. Hey, every team gets drops. Em. We certainly have them ourselves. So you need them. Yeah. You need them. Um, Dallas got the ball back on our own six. Uh, and we really did nothing with this drive. Dak tried to, he just threw three straight balls to Amari Cooper for a total of two yards. So uh, we end up kicking. Onger puts a, a boot on this one. He gets a 62 yard punt out of this, which is nice. Then they um, pretty much march right down our throats, and we get another gift where, um, well, you can maybe give Casey some credit, but they get to our 13 goat. Uh, I'm going to give little... Casey some credit. He sticks his helmet right into the ball. It's perfect yeah. for form on this. Um, knock the ball out. Jordan Lewis grabs this shit. Jordan Lewis with a fumble recovery and an interception. For a guy yeah. that's kind of your, your slot corner, you know, you're also ran on defense. The, the, best, the best thing I can say about Jordan Lewis, because he does get beat a lot, Jordan Lewis gets his hands on a lot of footballs. Somehow. Yeah. He does get his hands on a lot of footballs, man. So I love it. So Dallas gets the ball back. There's four minutes and 52 seconds to go. We get it on our own 10, and Dak just goes to work. Um, you see some balls to Amari, some to Lamb. Um, I think the real key play on this was to uh, – so first you get a – on second and 10 from the Dallas 36, Dak hits CD for a 23-yard pass that gets called back for an offensive hold on Tyron. Um, I didn't really get a good look at this one. I, I don't know how either. egregious it was, um, but it did suck because now you're second and 20. Uh, but Dak, to his credit, comes back. Second and twenty on the tw on our own twenty six. 
he finds Cedric Wilson, who quietly had like a useful game. Cedric Wilson had some key catches in moments where yeah, he just came up with good yardage. We'll get to kind of the aftermath of this game, but uh, Michael Gallup at this point had left. Um, turns out it was a knee injury, and he's going to miss four to six, I think is right. Or is it more five to seven? I forget the exact timetable. I want to say three to five. I want to say three to five. Yeah, because they put five, him on yeah. IR, but it's not the the shitty IR. Yeah, so he's going to miss about a month. So you're going to see a lot of Cedric Wilson. And I, my bold prediction is I think Cedric's going to be have a pretty good set. Dude, of Cedric's a good player, dude. Cedric is a good player. Like, I know this is what probably what every team says, but like out of the fourth receivers in the league, <laughs> you could do way worse than Cedric Wilson. You really could. I agree. He's a good player. So Dak does find Cedric Wilson for nine yards. So now you got third and 11 from the Dallas 35. This was And Dak, Dak like finds a hole between the safeties and the corners who are down in, in zone, drops it into CD who does a really amazing run after the catch for 31 yards so now we're first and 10 on the Tampa 34. Um, we do one run to Zeke uh, to get third and six on the Tampa Bay 30. And then we do a little dump out to Zeke uh, for no gain. But there's a penalty. Almost hurt us again. Almost hurt us on again. fucking Connor Williams. And it's not even necessary. Like when you go watch the replay of this, it is not holding that assists anyone. It, it, this isn't like, oh, Dak's going to get killed, so I, I stopped him. It's just Connor not wanting to get beat personally. This puts you at third and sixteen on the Tampa Bay forty, rather than third and six on the Tampa well, Bay thirty. They would have been fourth and six because they would have sure. But it, I'm so. way more confident in Dak's ability to go get six yards if they decide to make that move. So well, I were Greg to hit a, you know, instead of hitting a forty-eight yarder, would have been a thirty-eight yarder or something, you know. Or yeah, yeah. And so it would have been fourth and six. But on that next play, when it's third and sixteen, Dak hits Cooper for ten yards. So obviously the defense would have been different, but Dak would have made that six yards. So Greg goes out there for a forty-eight-yard field goal. To his credit, despite all his shittiness all evening, he strokes this one like it was easy, which is bizarre. Um, and for one shining moment, Dallas is up 29-28. But they are giving the ball back to Brady with a minute and 24 seconds. And so they start to march down the field, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Let me get the play that fucking decided this game. It is... 24 seconds to go, second and 10 on the Dallas 42. Tom Brady throws a pass to Chris Godwin for 24 yards, where he very clearly, full extension, shoves Jordan Lewis to the ground and catches the ball. They do not call offensive pass interference, and Brady's now... On the 18, he throws just throws away three straight balls on purpose. They kick a 36-yard field goal to win the game. Let me tell you why this infuriates me. They're gonna go back because I had people, I had people. Yes, I am. I had people after this game be like, "Oh, refs don't call that in that situation. They wouldn't, they wouldn't call an offensive pass interference call to decide the game." 
a year ago, almost to the day when we were playing the Rams, yep. they called offensive pass pass interference in a situation that was maybe like a third as close to OPI as that. Like Ramsey and Gallup are running down the field. They both have their arms out. They're touching arms. And they called offensive pass interference on Michael Gallup. That one was ridiculous then. It still is. This one was more egregious than that one. The only thing I said when I texted you is sometimes they call that, sometimes they don't. They just don't call OPI a lot in the NFL. No, I, I, you know what is the thing is like they don't. <laughs> there, there's just lots of calls that whatever way you want to cut it, it just always fucks us. It fucks us. Dog, always. they called that in the playoffs against Green Bay two years ago, three years ago. They called a penalty on Bryce Butler that had not been called in the NFL since 1978. Like, it was like leaving the huddle too early or something. 15-yard or two. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. No one had ever heard of it. It was, I mean, dog, they just find every way to screw us. It makes me so upset. Like, and, and again, no if, if, if it's like, hey, we're really going to call offensive pass interference and – Last year was pass interference. Okay, fine. Then this one was too. If you don't call pass interference and this wasn't, then last year shouldn't have been. It's just like you called it wrong in both directions, and the only common denominator is you fuck us every time. It makes me so fucking mad. And I know, I know that if you put yourself in a situation where a call like that can decide the game, then you deserve to lose. I agree with that. I get it. It's just really annoying that it always happens to us at every fucking juncture. It feels personal. I mean, we'll get into the L. Collins situation after this, but that's another one where it's like, oh, how fucking interesting that that's how we're enforcing this rule. Or the Zeke situation while A.B. gets to play for free for Tampa, even though A.B.'s got his own. They, Dude, as Chris Collinsworth said it, complicated off the field issues. No, the guy's a fucking rapist. It's not that. How about Jameis Winston admitted to raping an Uber driver and said he was sorry, so he got a game. Zeke was like, no, I didn't do this. The FBI and the cops say, no, he, he didn't do this. This girl admitted to lying. The NFL's investigator goes and interviews this girl, comes back and goes, she's absolutely lying. And Roger Goodell's like, sick, six-game suspension. Cool, dude. Very tight, Roger. You're the best, man. Yeah, while he wasn't even in the NFL, not that, you know, I, I feel like you should be fucked either way. My point is, I agree. We always get screwed on these things. If the they're doing it now with the L, the L Collins situation. This is another one where. Yeah. So let's, uh, let me, so to end this game, we lose 31, yeah. 29. We do cover the spread. I think everyone walked away at the time feeling like, Hey, we're going to be pretty good this year. Like, we yeah, I was, chance, I was happy with the game. We took the I'm chance to the a last second field goal. Our kicker missed a few. There was a little OPI there. I mean, if you can fuck up way. as much as we fucked up and be that close. You have a really good chance to be very on the road. No one, yeah. Dak looks great. No real question marks. Your offense looked good, and so immediately, what happens after this game? Uh, the Michael Gallup news comes out that he's going to miss three to five. So we're like, oh, that that sucks. That's a good starter. You know, we love Gallup, baby Des, as we call him. And then out of nowhere, a shocking Schefter tweets that Lael Collins has been suspended for five games for. Uh, what do they put it? Violation uh, violating of the, of the NFL substance abuse policy. 
sort of like, man, what did he pop? Because they don't even test for weed anymore. So the more and more details come out, obviously Lael must be in the yeah. So here's the situation. They yeah, you break. It they down. are not. They are not testing for weed. What it is is Lael Collins did test positive for weed when they still tested for weed before they changed the rule. So this isn't about weed, not weed. It's about the fact that Lael is in the drug monitoring program of the NFL. He's in the substance abuse program the NFL has. What that means is that at way, any time – Just a quick interjection. Did you know that? Did anyone know that? No. Abs- well, it's it's supposed to be confidential. Like there's okay. a whole – the NFLPA kind of lobbied the NFL to be like, it's not good for dudes to like have their shit right. out in the open like that, which is true. And frankly – if it's weed, especially, I'm like, bro, fucking stop. Because you know how people react to that. Like, you've seen Twitter. Like, people are like, these thugs, they're selfish, and they don't care about football. Like, all right, dude, you drink 30 beers while you watch a game every Sunday. I don't want to hear about it, okay? So the, the NFL's biggest sponsors are – Yeah, you know, drugs that are a thousand times light, worse, so. bro. Like, <laughs> listen, I'm a good American. I just drink and then drive home and beat my wife. I don't fucking eat Doritos on my couch peacefully. I'm not a thug. So Lel's in this monitoring program. What that means is the NFL can show up at any time to your team HQ and you got a test. Now, Lel Collins, since entering this program, has never tested positive for weed. Ever. He has never popped positive. Is it weed? Do we know it's for sure weed? It is is marijuana. It is marijuana. Weird. He, but again, it's not really about what drug it is anymore. It's this fact that he's in this program. Right. That's so it's a weird technicality where they're not testing you for weed. They're just testing you. And if you pop for anything, it's just a failed test. So, and the way the NFL treats uh, failure to appear for a test is as a failure. Yes. Now the curveball here is that when COVID got really bad, uh, especially in the off season, a lot of teams, including the Cowboys, just sent all their dudes home because they were just like, look, we're going to do remote meetings. We don't want any of these dudes getting sick. We don't have a vaccine yet. Um, yeah, go home. Well, L. Collins uh, is from Louisiana. And when they sent everyone home, Lel Collins went to Louisiana. And so between like October and February of – between October 2020 and February or like April of 2021, the NFL testers showed up at Cowboys headquarters a bunch of times and were like, we're here to test L. Collins. And he'd be like, well, our team is not at the headquarters. L. Collins is a state away. And he'd be like, oh, okay, you're trying to dodge the test. Fail. Right. On top of that, the reason why this doesn't make sense is that there's a scale to this. So it's supposed to be you miss a test, you pay a fine. You miss two tests, you it's like up to three missed tests, you're paying three fines. Then fourth missed test, one game suspension, five missed tests, two game suspension, et cetera, et cetera. We have not, again, as you highlighted, we have not heard about this. Lel Collins has never missed a game. He's never been suspended. So not only did they kind of just like fuck him by despite him never fit failing a test ever and showing up at the team headquarters when probably the door was fucking locked and no one's there and declaring that he was dodging the test, even though he's everyone had been sent home. Jerry Jones would have failed their program at that point. 
On top of that, they skipped right to five games without any in-between. The whole thing's bizarre. Of why it's five games, we don't hear that from, uh, you know, other people. It's just, I don't know, man. It's 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 a very strange. Again, I, I just I, wish I, he would have just been a good I, guy and, ra- and raped an Uber driver, dude. If you just, like, be a good dude and rape someone, well, you get a game. NFL, like, good NFL guy James cert- Winston. The NFL certainly been piss poor at handing out punishments. I'm still pissed AB. I don't ever think got anything. And he basically threw temper. Or <laughs> he got kicked Bro, off Watson, the Raiders Watson without ever playing is, the game. Watson is still technically allowed to play. Say, I mean, his team is playing him, but technically, yeah. technically, Deshaun Watson is not not suspended. His team just is. It's almost an understanding that the league's like, hey, just don't play this guy, and then we don't have to put him on an exempt list or suspend him, and it doesn't like we don't get asked questions. He's twenty two pending cases. Um. And he's not suspended, so it just feels stupid that a guy who missed a couple drug tests is five fucking games for it. I mean, that's uh, is what it is. If only, if only Lil but Collins had like it, drunk drove and killed a guy in a vehicular manslaughter, like Dante Stallworth did, we could just he could just chill, you know, just hang out with the team, get back on the field. He, he technically did get a year for that, but yes, <laughs> yeah, he did. That's which. As if that's cool. As if that's that's chill. I know. But I just fucking hate Roger Goodell so much, dude. The Zeke thing was already just such a vast miscarriage of justice to me. Because, like, dog, you know I'm not one of those, like, oh, these chicks just want attention type people. Like, I am firmly on team believe all women when it comes to domestic violence and rape accusations. But the NFL is very very selective about which women they believe and mostly it comes down to what team is being accused <laughs> like because when again like ab got had multiple women accuse him he's got not shit because he's funny blonde mustache man and i guess that's that's better for the nfl than yeah it's so annoying but uh, they are going Brady, through, man if he was on any team if he was on any team right now and it wasn't tom brady who was housing him at his house so he doesn't stay in trouble yeah. and campaigning for him he would for sure be out of the nfl right now for yeah, sure that's, be completely that's actually out. true and there well they, they dude collinsworth was just acting like that was such a feel-good story i was like yeah dude like, housing yeah, this fucking rapist in your house with your kids so he can play football for I don't, you that's really tight dude I don't know if I want TV announcers to stand on a pedestal either, but to be like, yeah, he's got some complications off the field is kind of underselling. Yeah, I mean, I'm not calling on Chris Collinsworth to condemn that guy, but like, yeah, we don't need to like frame that as being, yeah, like he made a whoopsie doodle. He tripped and accidentally raped two people. You know how that is. Like, it's not complicated. It's not complex, dude. (laughs) Like, So L... For now, is missing five. He's appealing the suspension. He is appealing it. I'm hoping it at least gets knocked down because that's bullshit. He's still going to miss the Chargers no matter what. That's already been decided. So now you're without two starters. And then later in the week, three starters. it pops that Randy Gregory has been put on the COVID list. At least Martin's off. But now you have three guys who played significant roles in week one who will not be there. So... I guess let's start with that, Andy. Um, we kind of, you know, Gallup was the first. We, we touched on this a little bit. How do you feel about his replacement first? I mean, you know, I'm a big Gallup guy. 
Um, I think even in the Tampa Bay game and his limited action, Gallup makes tough, tough catches. I think he has some of the best hands on the team. Um, I do think we're fortunate and that we're very rich at receiver. And I do think uh, that Cedric Wilson is a really good player. And I, and I think that honestly, in the grand scheme of things, like only having, let's face it, your two best receivers who both would probably be the number one receiver on other teams, as opposed to your three best receivers. One of the guy you're missing would probably be the number two on most teams. That's not going to cause like some catastrophic meltdown offensively. I do wish we had him. Um, Randy. I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm a huge Randy guy, Um, but he's not like the main engine of your pass rush. It's not like missing tank. And I do uh, – I will say Dorrance Armstrong has had a really good preseason. He had a really good game against Tampa. He almost had a strip sack on Brady. Brady had some kind of Jedi play where he just refused to drop the yeah, ball on a swipe, which was nuts. I don't know how he did that. Tomahawk, Tomahawk just forearm and Brady didn't even flinch. It was like, huh. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to see what Dorrance uh, – what Dorrance could do over in that spot. Um, the offensive line thing is weird to me. So when that when I heard the news break about Lel, I assumed that what was going to happen was that Zach was going to slide over to right tackle. McGovern would continue to play guard because he played so well. Uh, well that's, what, that's what the fan base overwhelmingly wants, right? And they've yeah. come out and said, I mean, Jerry said anyway. Now, who knows? Jerry could be fucking fully smokescreening this shit to, like, confuse Joey Bosa. But – as of right now, it sounds like they want Zach. I mean, or either Zach wants to play guard and has kind of insisted that he do that, or they just feel better about this. But Terrence Steele's going to play right tackle. Um, now, I have heard multiple times this offseason that Terrence Steele was an undrafted free agent that got thrown into the fire because of injuries last year and that he was significantly better once he settled into the right tackle spot last year and that he's made significant progress this offseason in strength and technique playing right tackle. Um, so for all I know, it's going to be fine. Well, Brada said um, the reason he got it over, I keep butchering his name, but Ty Nixke, Nixke, whoever, you yeah, know, the, the, the guy that played for Washington and he's yeah, an old veteran. He's bounced yeah. around quite a bit. The reason he got is apparently the coaches just, they love his attitude. They say he does everything that's asked of him. One of those, like, you know, the old Jason Garrett, right kind of guy. Like they just yep. love that. He's always willing to learn, always willing. Well, to he is a challenge. Texas tech alum. So, you know, and we are just built of tougher stuff. West Texas. Um, steel. I think the disappointing thing was, was McGovern had a great week one. Uh, Pro Football yeah. Focus said so. Um, you would love to keep him on the field. So if you just kept him at right guard and Zach moved to right tackle, it seems like the combination of your guys. When you or, swap that, so you take McGovern out and put Zach back in. Obviously, that's an improvement, but now you're replacing L with Steele, and that's such a downgrade that it feels like you should – I don't know. It just feels like, you, especially going up against Joey Bosa next week, it really feels like you, you'd want your best guy out there. So I'm thinking maybe what they want to do is, if, if you insist on playing Terrence Steele, put Zach at guard, take Connor Williams out, Put McGovern mm-hmm. over there. Hey, me and you have been on that a long time. Um, I think when they get fully healthy, which God, I, I don't know if that ever happens with this offensive line. If they have all their starters, all their guys available, I would hope at this point McGovern would play 
over C Dub, but we'll see. So it'd be it'd be Tyron McGovern, Zach Blell. Yeah. With Biotish at, at center. The rumor is too that they wanted to replace Biotis, who by the way probably had the roughest game of anyone on the line. Now he's going against yeah. Vivea, who who might be the best nose tackle in Sue. football. Um, yeah, so uh, tough assignment, but he did, there was one throw I remember where he beat Avea, literally pancaked him back about five yeah. yards. Oh, yeah, into Dak. He he into tackled Dak with Biotish. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I, so today I was looking at Biotish, and he has a lot of like Twitter interaction with Travis Frederick, like their boys. Um, so it's I was like, what's Travis? Boy. What's what's Travis Frederick doing now? You know, so I went and looked it up. You know what Travis Frederick does with like all his time now? fish he that's what i assumed right that he was kind of like some old you know some fucking white guy shit it is white guy shit but it's a different flavor of white guy shit that i can get behind uh he's really involved in fighting childhood hunger which is super cool he runs this charity called blocking childhood hunger which is awesome and then travis frederick is like a huge fucking nerd he's like super into Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role playing <laughs> games like Warhammer and shit. I was like, that's so tight. Like he, I was. If you scroll his Twitter, it's like half him like playing these huge Dungeons and Dragons campaigns for charity on Twitch and shit. I was like, this is so cool. Like, what's going on here, dude? I can just imagine in the locker room last year. It's it's like Amari and Shadobi Awuzie playing playing chess and then just next to them is just zach setting up this little this little warhammer Tra- just travis travis or dressed travis as a wizard yeah, yeah. <laughs> travis with a wizard hat <laughs> like fireball fireball plus 20 damage oh that's hilarious <laughs> that's so awesome i love it though but I'm, I'm i'm just super glad travis seems like healthy and to be living a good life which is all i really wanted for him after because i know he didn't like want to retire like i know i think that Key and Barre really did a man. that did a that did a number on him. Um, a lady at Cassie's work got that, and I kind of got to see it more up close. And it's just the worst, man. It just ravages you. It's, it sucks. So to see a guy who was so at one point just so strong, just like a freakishly good football player, go out like that, it was so rough. So yeah, so yeah, I agree with you on the on the lineup for the offensive line. Um which leads us kind of into next week. We are playing the Los Angeles chargers. Uh, they are coming off of a uh, kind of a squeaker win, to be honest. I watched the whole game today uh, in prep for the pod uh, against the Washington football team. They won 20 to 16. They really could have lost this game. Uh, Washington was winning and got the ball on their own five and, uh Antonio Gibson fumbled on their own three yard line and that's how they got the ball to score so absolutely could have been a loss it, for the for the old Chargers well and um, Fitzmagic left in like the first half yeah uh and so they're playing a backup Taylor TV. Taylor Heineke went out there 11 to 15 threw a touchdown didn't get sacked didn't throw any picks you could do worse but yeah um so my thoughts on the Chargers generally, it is absolutely the Justin Herbert show. Um, no disrespect to Austin Eckler. Uh, he's pretty decent. And obviously they're playing the Washington defensive front, um, which is difficult to do. But they, it looks very similar in approach to what we did against the Bucks. although they don't have the personnel we do. They do have some receivers. 
Um, Keenan Allen is really good. Mike Williams is not a slouch. I think um, Keenan Allen they, is a pretty good comp for Amari Cooper. They're just like great route runners. They can catch anything pretty much over the middle. Great hands. Um, you know, they're not going to make the the crazy Dez or, you know, yeah. DK Metcalf physical plays, you know. Um, route technician. I wonder on that front, Goat, if we see Diggs travel with Keenan Allen. Um, so that's what I was thinking as well, because Mike, because so your your other receivers are really Mike Williams, and then your number three is Jalen Guyton, who is out of Oklahoma. He went to Allen High School. He was Kyler's number one receiver at both, or well, he was a number one receiver at Allen, and then you know obviously kind of a safety valve target at OU because they had a good connection from high school. Um, he was like a mid rounder in the draft, and he had three catches for forty nine yards on Sunday, um, so he can play. Um, but really, it's the Keenan and Allen show. That's definitely where the vast majority of their targets go. Um, Defense-wise, uh, you can run the ball against this team. The leading Two of the three leading tacklers on this team are DBs for this first week. So runners are getting to the second level. Um, Derwin James is really good. Joey Bosa is really good. So Joey yep. Bosa, I saw a stat and I saw some highlights. Um, I didn't do quite as much research as you. I didn't I didn't catch the game, but I do follow a lot of guys on Twitter who break down film, and Joey Bosa had himself a day. He actually had the highest pass uh, or, or pass rush rate win percentage. Which is um, crazy because he had one sack, and Chandler Jones had five sacks and two forced right. fumbles. So someone at PFF has to explain the formula that gets you a better grade. <laughs> I think – what yeah, what it is is he won his matchup more right, than right. any other person. I think he just Heineke or whoever got rid of the ball didn't get sacked. So yeah. which they always do say sack kind of a imperfect stat for D line. I mean that's why we love Tank. Tank doesn't get a whole lot because it doesn't. Well, I mean, show the full if you picture, watched, but... uh, I'm sure you did. If you watched the the Rams game uh, on Sunday night, um, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald may not get. He gets a lot of sacks, obviously, but. The dudes around Aaron Donald get to do so much cleanup. Like they get so many sacks yeah. just by like coming in behind Aaron Donald. Like three, he takes out like three dudes, and then they just get to run clean at the quarterback because the dude's knocked off his equilibrium by Aaron Donald destroying everything in front of him. Like Aaron Donald really won that play, but the stat sheet says you know this other guy got the sack. Sure. So you know they have some decent players right i mean don't they have chris harris jr as a top corner he'll be interesting to see who he who he follows um you know, really, yeah something who we wanted in the draft i saw he's yeah. having a he had a decent i'll tell you team, what he got so. some pretty costly penalties for them he's very aggressive corner and i know that was in the well, scouting report said, on him coming yeah. out um some bad pass interferences when he got beat some bad ones, which Amari is known for picking those flags up. So we'll see if that happens uh, against them on Sunday. Um, something that's surprising about this game is they opened up as a, uh, I'm checking now. Two and a half point favorite. favorite. They're a two and a half point favorite. I haven't actually seen the game posted yet on Bovada, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They, they, they're, it has, it has gotten Vegas. Oh, it's a. Th- they're a three-point favorite now. 
Yeah. The matchup predictor so, has gotten closer. It's pretty much a 50-50 game now in the matchup predictor, but they're a three-point favorite. Which surprises me because I, I think people are just really high on Justin Herbert, who is by all accounts very good. I just people are high on Justin Herbert. So. Cowboys are missing three starters. They're 0 and 1. Chargers are 1 0. It's an easy narrative yeah. to sell for if you're not paying as much attention to the Cowboys as we are. Uh, but I'm pretty confident we're going to win this game. You know, I think I think we do too, and I think we may even put our money where our mouth is and throw a little money down on bets will be bets. So before we head that way, Mr. Gatelli, do you have any uh, uh, parting words for this part of the podcast? Oh, we want to do predictions. Yeah, let's do a prediction. Um, so yeah, I, I am. I do think we can beat this team. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, so I watched that whole game. I don't think Washington outside of the front four is very good. I wasn't obviously not offensively and really in the secondary, not really either. I don't think that this chargers team is going to be able to stop the Cowboys from scoring. And I'm not totally convinced they're going to be able to light up the scoreboard either. I'm going to, I'm going to get a little, uh, I'm going to get a little bold here. I'm going to say the Cowboys win this one 27. No, no 30 to 20. You actually read my mind was going 31-21. So. Nice. 10-point victory. Very comfy. I mean, frankly, if the Cowboys – we should have had like 35 points last week against a much better defensive unit. I think I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't put up 30 this week. The Cowboys have a legitimate chance to be the scoring offense of the league. Like, they're that yeah. – gifted offensively um now we'll see what happens with that offensive line but they have that talent Dak has that talent so this would be a great week um, for a little zeke breakout antonio gibson had like 20 carries for 90 yards zeke's a much better player than antonio gibson i would love to see an old-fashioned you know 22 carries for 125 and a td from zeke little tutty maybe two tutties I'm curious to see what Kellen does with his game plan. I really want to see if they, they stick yeah. to be a pass-happy team, if they go back to feed the Zeke. Um, I'm really curious to see. I, I I think he definitely has a better game just because – and I can't It's hard to game enough. plan for this like, team, man. Tampa's defense is – offensive or rush defense is so legit. I don't think people yeah. are fully taking that into comprehension when they look at Zeke's numbers last week. But – He's not going to see that type of defense the rest of the year. Um, so we'll see what he does this week. It's kind of his first game, if if you will, for me. So to see yeah, what kind agreed. of sleep week looks like. I'm stoked, man. All right. Shall we get into degeneracy? We are. So that ends the, the Cowboys portion of this podcast. We love you. We thank you. We are now moving to everyone's favorite segment, our ending segment. Bets will be bets, and I have to, unfortunately, eat some crow for week one. We went two and two. The big one we missed, we are trying to fade the Texans. Everyone was on Jacksonville. Everyone thought Jacksonville would be better. And, dude, Jacksonville, outside of the Packers, probably had the worst fucking week of Fucking Urban Meyer just found – Urban Meyer about to fake a heart attack, dude. 
Urban Meyer will be at USC by week five. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. He's going to be Graham Harrell's boss by <laughs> week five. He will, he will 100% be in Southern California very shortly. Um, yeah, it was funny. You know, I was actually in Jacksonville, so I was listening. I found a sports radio station. I was driving, uh, and I, I listened to it for like 30, 40 minutes. I just they eviscerated this team. I was like, wow, there are fans that are as crazy as Dallas fans. Like they just took Dude, college. Everyone like everyone talks about, well, if we just clean it up, if we just clean it up. Well, then freaking do it, man. Freaking clean it up already. Dude, can you imagine being that invested in the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, I know that's ironic coming from the Cowboys haven't been good in our lifetime, but like, God damn, dude. Like, I, I can't imagine getting as mad as I do about the Cowboys if I was like a Browns fan or a Lions fan. Like, what that would do to my psyche. They almost went to a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. Is there? They probably should have, too. Yeah, that was like the high watermark of their. <laughs> franchise was almost getting to the super bowl and then watching their entire franchise implode the next year as they're like star players refuse to play for their coach and shit like that so and now they have urban short... Meyer. and then by the next by like week five that year they came and played the cowboys and we beat them 40 to 7 yeah that was the fastest blow up of a good team i've seen in a in quite a long time who was it that went from the cowboys to their team and was Very like charged. called it yeah, Barry Church like this, these guys are so much better than the Cowboys. <laughs> Everyone says that when they leave Dallas. Like when fucking lame ass Beasley was like cool. the Buffalo facilities are so much better than Dallas. I was like, bro, pick something else, dude. If you want to say their team is cooler, their fans are cooler, fine. I know they don't have the same facilities in Buffalo. You're playing in a fucking igloo, dog. Get the fuck out of here, Beasley. I don't know what's up with Cole Beasley besides not. We should have. Bro, we really should have raised a larger red flag about being a, a white rapper, dude. We really let that shit slide. We really let that be cool. That was a big red flag. Because he was like de facto our second best receiver. <laughs> Just... That's how bad that receiver room got for a while. Um, he was probably our best receiver for like a good minute until we traded yeah, for Amari. Yeah, and that was sad, but he—he's really good at giving you a five-yard option route for sure. Yeah, dude, he did oh, have like eleven catches for fifty yards on Sunday. Yeah, I know they. I watched that game. So one, we picked Pittsburgh, by the way. So if you did follow us on that one, we nailed that one. Um, our was Miami squeaked out a win straight up. We took them. They were like a three-point dog, and the Patriots kicker or Patriots running back fumbled to end that game. Xavier Howard picked it up at a boy. And then Baltimore had that game won like three different times last night and fucked it up somehow and lost in overtime. So that cost That was us insane. Bro, so how about we almost – we got so close to betting on the Lions. I would have been so mad. Well, we wanted that line. So when everyone heard this podcast, we wanted San Fran was seven and I said we should get all over that. And then it by the time game started, it was nine and a half. So we stayed away. And sure enough, Detroit backdoor covered. They were getting blown out all game. And they, I think dude, I'm, I'm convinced Detroit was in on touchdown. it, dude. Detroit went for a totally pointless two point conversion to exactly cover the spread dude they lost by eight it was yeah insane yeah i'm glad we stayed away from that one i mean that would have been one where i felt like 
I was smart and we won that and then we got fucked. So yeah. Yep. Precisely. So, so yeah, our game is our game isn't. So we had two and two, but we put most of our money on Jacks, which was a disaster. They never even had a chance in that game. So we'll have to rebound this game. Um and we're we're starting with the Cowboys. And I say we take money line. Fuck the spread. We're going straight up Cowboys underdog. Um I love to see that. They covered easily last week. We already went over, if you listen to the last <laughs> 30 minutes, why we believe Dallas looked pretty good. So I'm in on that one pretty big. I like that. Um, I want to stay away from that Thursday night game. That's just battle of two terrible teams. You never know who's going to suck more. I am a little bit attracted to this 49ers-Philly game. I think Philly is a fucking pretender. I think that Atlanta shit was a fluke because they are trash. And I think the 49ers can win by more than three and a half. Yeah, that is a West Coast team going to the East Coast to play a noon game. People Bro, look how bad. This like is how bad the Falcons shit. are. The Falcons are playing at Tampa Bay. They're a 13 and a half point dog to the Bucks. Yeah. I that's saw a that. college line, dog. That's, a, so that's the- like Fresno State is playing USC. And I wanted to fade the Texans. They're 12 and a half points. I almost want to take them to cover 12 and a half. <laughs> dude, that's so crazy, dude. 12 and a half against Cleveland. Like, Jesus, man. I'll Cleveland tell you never what. never blows anybody out. Like, they, they can I'll tell you what. Two... what? How'd the, how did uh, Minnesota do this week? They lost to the Bengals in OT. Ooh. I kind, then I'm kind of liking this Cardinals minus four. Cardinals look legit. Kyler and Cliff. All I'll say, the Raiders and the Cardinals are two teams I fucking hate betting on. They lose to everyone, and they beat everyone. They are the middle of the road. They fool you one week and absolutely – like, the the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year, and then they'll lose to the worst team in the league the next week. They just beat Baltimore. Everyone loves the Raiders, and I wouldn't touch them. Actually, they're still five-and-a-half-point dogs to Pittsburgh this week, but – um. Yeah, that's how I feel about the Cardinals. If you want, we can we can put a little on them. I just ugh, four and a half. I'm, I don't like it as much as I like that that San Francisco game, but I love. San I mean, Francisco. I gotta give I gotta give uh, Cliff a little credit, man. When he took over that team, they were like the dog shit of all dog shit, and they're a borderline contender now. I gotta give it to him. He's done a good job putting together a team. I mean, a lot of the credit goes to Bill O'Brien for effectively just handing Cliff all his best players off the Texans for nothing, but. Still, good for him. I saw something about Seahawks. Seahawks Titans. Seahawks minus underdogs, five and a half. which we need to remember next year is underdogs overwhelmingly dominate Week One in the NFL because yeah. people overreact to playoff teams and they just think, "Hey, last time we saw this bad team, they were bad." And so yeah. home underdogs notoriously cover. And I think underdogs. I was listening to a guy um, do like a little radio segment on it they went like eight and two or or 11 and three or something i don't know anyway let me ask you this let me ask you this monday night football packers lions are the packers truly as trash as they looked or is that is everyone going to overreact and the packers are because they're 10 and at minus 10 and a half yeah that and it's one of those i think that feels right because green bay 
probably not going to lose like that again. And at the same point, Detroit might be the worst team in the league this year. They're really bad. Um, Jared Goff is so ass. So I feel like that's a dominant Green Bay win. I'll tell you who I do like. Fuck, the Chiefs are on the road, man. There's a lot of lines I'm not in love with this week. I'm in love with Dallas. Oh, yeah. Yep. I like Dallas you. Great one. I like you, right? San Fran. I mean, even Arizona's four and a half. People do overreact a bunch. Like, the. Well, that's interesting to me. Dude, I don't know. These lines are. Saints minus three at Carolina. I like that. I didn't see that one, but yeah. I like the Saints over Carolina for sure. Yeah. Three's not bad. Three's not bad. I'm looking at Titans Seahawks. Are the Titans really that bad? Because they got manhandled. The Seahawks Five are definitely half. good. Seahawks are home. I just too. have to I just have to assume that Tennessee will I mean, they have a lot of weapons. It would be a huge deal if they didn't get on track at some point and figure out yeah, how to it. use AJ Brown, Julio Jones, King Henry. Hand of the land is bad. Yeah, I say for sure we go with Dallas money line. I like that a lot. I agree. I say Dallas money line parlay with Dallas with the spread parlay with all the prop bets for Dallas's various players. (laughs) Um. Chiefs Ravens, that's a fun Sunday night game. I don't know what to think of the Ravens. The um, Ravens do find a way to lose, dude. They are a little bit of a choker team. I'm not gonna lie. What do we always say about the Ravens? Bet on them when they're when they're like a eight point favorite. They they're so well coached, they always beat up plus the Ravens are really hurt. They lost an, yeah. another guard for a year. They lost Bro, they, they, they all have the running backs. All their running backs, the probably one of probably the, I don't I don't know how they rate their corners. If Marcus Peters is the one or if Marlon Humphrey's the one, but they lost an elite cornerback for the year. I could do some underdog teasers, man. There's a lot of home dogs, man. That I feel like if we tease the points, man, I could fuck with. Miami Dolphins. That's what I'm looking for. So the Dolphins are an interesting at home. I think the um, the Jags is a six-point dog to Denver. I don't think much of Denver. I mean, I know Jacksonville looked terrible, but, man, you're thinking Denver's going to beat them by a touchdown? That's interesting. Hey, well, I was going to say, that, and they're at Jacksonville now. If they were in Denver, you know how I oh, feel yeah. about Denver oh, in we're for sure bet. September. We're for sure betting Denver at home for sure next time. Um I think they played their first two on the road, so they're going to be home next week. Yeah, that's interesting. The Colts, do I think Wentz is the bum? Los Angeles going to Indy. There's a lot of weird – there's a lot of home team underdogs this week, which I don't like. A lot of teams traveling and then have to cover the spread. And fans are back and shit. I mean, you know. Yeah. I say for sure we hit up Miami. I mean, uh, Dallas for sure. Yeah, we hit up the Saints for I, sure. Miami's pretty interesting to me. Three and a half over the Bills, but do I really think the Bills start zero and two? 
Hmm, they're like the sexy AFC pick, so that's that's tough for me. I do think Washington beats the dog piss out of the Giants, but we can hold off on that. The over-under in that game is 40. That is so low. Yeah, I think that's who we go with. All right, I anyone, like it. Anyone else you want to add? I know, I'm not as confident this week. Yeah, I was people gonna, following well, us. The, li- the lines are not as cool. Yeah, they also say uh, unders apparently smash the first couple weeks because everyone likes betting the overs. It's more fun to root for points, and so smart bettors will often bet under. I heard that. That makes sense. Yeah, we'll we'll text go. We might we might you know we generally stay away from parlays, but we might look at something. We might look at a teaser here, a little two or three team teaser. We need to revive That's our tradition team. of uh, we got to revive our tradition of like uh, throwing five dollars at. A parlay with every single game. Just betting and hoping to hit a big one. Yeah. Um, yeah, is there anyone else really sticking out to you? I mean, Dallas is actually my favorite bet this week. Yep. I like it. The fact that we're dogs, insane. Can't believe that's real. We're gonna cake up. And boy. Pittsburgh's a five-and-a-half-point favorite of the Raiders. I, I just can't bet on the Raiders and, and Cardinals. I don't get them. I don't get these teams. They're they're tough for me, Goat. Who's our fade the team? I want to fade I want to fade the Texans, but damn, man. I mean, 12-and-a-half is a big line. Yeah. I mean, you can't – I mean, you don't get a, you don't get a, 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 a sure win like fade the Jets every single year, Ben. Fade the Jets was a beautiful time. That was beautiful. What I think we went eight and one on it to begin the year. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, Houston I'll will get on a nice. Houston picks. will get on a nice little losing streak, and we'll we'll catch we'll catch a falling knife. <sighs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. There's just not a whole lot. I almost am tempted to take. I don't know the Jets. I didn't see any of the Jets Panthers game, so I don't know. I don't know if I want to bet against the Patriots, but they didn't put up very many points either. Fair. Yeah, I agree with you about the Niners. Let's take them to beat Filthy. Um, I don't want Philly starting too, and and I think the Niners look damn good. They just got lazy in that game. Yep. All right, so we're doing Dallas Niners, Jacksonville. And uh sorry you broke up. Who else? New Orleans. Saints. New Orleans. All right. I'm down. All right, folks. Well, those are your bets for this week. Uh we'll be reporting back both about how the Cowboys do against the Los Angeles Chargers and about how we do making that sweet, sweet bread. Uh as Carla. always, guys, thank you so much for listening to Boys Will Be Boys and uh, if you have enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to give a like, a subscribe, a little rating, a little comment on iTunes. It does help us in our quest to climb the charts and take over the landscape of Dallas Cowboys podcasting. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm Andy Catelli. Benjamin Walker. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Take it easy. Peace.